San Diego Burritos. San Diego Burritos, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you could name a team. We could do that. That's fine. Welcome, everyone, to the completely unnecessary podcast for January 11th, 11 22 Tuesday. That's Ian Ferguson. It's me. Healthier than usual. Yeah. I'm Pat Contry. I'm mm-hmm. sniffly, but I'm hanging in there. On the show today, we'll be talking about... Uh, in television, Amico, is it not long for the world? According to Ars Technica, the video game years turns ten. Five, fives and tens. Fives and, and tens. Fives and zeros, actually. Fives and zeros. Uh, and other goodness. Ian, how was your weekend? Ah, you synexing it. It was all right. Yeah, I'm kind of moving past the the, the biggest problems. The still a little, still a little rumbly. You can hear a little. Bleh in my you voice. probably won't make me sick, according to the CDC recommendations. I, according to the CDC, I wouldn't have made you sick like a week and a half ago. <clears throat> well, I didn't want to get out of. I don't. I still don't want. You know, I didn't want to leave my phlegm house. coughs in my face either. That's fine. Catch a couple of chunks. Yeah, um, great. Yeah, uh, so no, I'm I'm doing better. I uh, played two and a half hours of Mario Kart with my friend online over the weekend. Had the best Mario Kart run uh, online. Your I've, personal run. Yeah, personal run. How? Uh, how? Uh, I think I finished. I think I finished below fourth twice in that two and a half hours, and most of my finishes were um, first, second, third, and fourth. I've uh, I've never done that. I, I've just, I, I, I think the, the key to me playing good Mario Kart is to half pay attention while I'm playing. Uh, if I'm carrying on a conversation while playing Mario Kart, I finish and it's, oh, I'm in first again. <laughs> it's like drinking when you're throwing darts. You're yeah, a bit yeah looser. exactly. A little bit looser. I'm a little bit better. I always say that I'm best at darts two beers deep. Two beers. At four bo- beers. Oh, no, because then the coordination's off. And Four you, beers, you I board, start right? to go over. two, two Beer two and beer three, I am the best at darts that I will ever be. Just relax. I, I know there's people talking about Nintendo's developing a new Mario Kart. Why wouldn't they? But if the, if 8 Deluxe was the last one we ever got, I don't think I would be unhappy because that game is per- perfect. Like, what else can you... What else do you need? Like, it's, like, I'm guessing they can always add, oh, now we're in space or whatever or... Yeah, that game is utter perfection. No, it's great. I love it. Having played almost every Mario Kart at least a few times on the Wii, I played the GBA one. You know, I obviously played the, the original few. That game is perfect. The the, the balancing, the, the items, the, the stages are amazing. The the mechanics of the sliding is not too difficult to get a hold. Like it's perfect. There are, there are problems uh, inherent with Mario Kart that are always going to be problems with Mario Kart if you don't like certain aspects of it, but. For what Mario Kart sets out to be, yes, I think 8 is just about perfect, which well, is yeah. why um, I, I really do think, and we already started kind of getting there with Mario Kart 8, I really do think the next Mario Kart, Mario Kart 9, is going to be more of a, a, a Nintendo Kart. Because there's only so much they can do. I mean, I mean, they've already they've already exhausted, I think, what they can do with, with just Mario. Um, I mean, we've been on cruise ships. We've been on... The mall. Uh, we've been in malls. <laughs> we've we've been in places that you know uh, have no basis in Mario, anyways. So I think I think you know we 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 got Link in um, 
in Mario Kart 8, we got Isabel from Animal Crossing in Mario Kart 8. We've got stages from Animal Crossing, stages from um, F-Zero, stages mm-hmm. from Zelda. I think I think the next step is to just open that up and, and, and do a little stages. bit more of that. Yeah, just to have more theming. Um, and I'm fine with it, but I really, like you said, I, I've always wondered, I don't, do I really want a Mario Kart 9? I, uh, I, I don't think you do better. I just don't. And it, well, um, it, it's kind of like where they're at with um, Smash Brothers right now. I mean, what's the follow-up going to be? How do you follow it up? How do you do more like 90 fighters? You know, like, what are you going to do from all the games that, that came before it? It's going to be hard to repeat that. I mean, you time. don't is, is yeah. what it comes down to is you, you just don't. But that's obviously uh, going to lead to, um, you know, a little bit of a, a deflation, I think, in excitement. And, you know, going from Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which has, I think it's 32 tracks in it, if I counted properly, um, it had... I thought it had 16 add-ons from the 16 original. It had... Yeah. Uh, so Mario Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Deluxe tracks. How many? Yeah. 48. I was going to say, it was two 16s on top of the 16. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, that's that's absolutely insane. Forty eight fucking tracks in that game. Yeah, that's nuts. That's nuts. Um, so yeah, we'll say you know whatever whatever launches is obviously going to be smaller in scope. It takes years to get that sort of DLC and support for it to build it back up. But I do think branching out to other Nintendo franchises will be the the ticket for them. Well, maybe we'll hear more about that, Ian, at the E three two thousand twenty two. What's going to be virtual? Ah, uh, yes, maybe we will hear about that. Yeah, virtual again. Um. This is the third one they've done that's been virtual. The third. Uh, I mean, I just, at this point, does it ever come back physical? Well, it was, I mean, it we, was, I think we no asked that anyway. last year. There there no, no, exactly. Uh, there, there, there's no need for it. Because now it's, it's like E3's happening, so all the companies like Nintendo's like, okay, we don't need to, we'll just do a digital presentation a, a day before or after, and people know about it, and we don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a booth. And all logistics. So it's it's just it's really weird because you know as as people have pointed out, this used to happen in June, so that magazines and stuff would have all of this information in there by like September, you know, for October like for for yeah. the holiday season, you know, and then you know a lot of the big stuff that gets announced at these you know shows is released by then. It's it's weird. It it just seems out of place now to have this random June news dump, and it's just because it's tradition. Sure. It makes it makes them a lot of money. Well, yeah, yes, I mean, it makes them a ton of money. Sure. So, um, Take Two acquired Zynga. Zynga, known for uh, the Words with Friends, Farmville, Farmville, my good old poker game. That poker with friends. <laughs> poker with friends. Isn't that what it's called? No, it's just poker. Zynga uh. poker. <laughs> I mean, that's what taught me taught me poker. Playing, I I, I figured it took me fifty thousand hands to really learn all the ins and outs of of of, of Hold'em. Fifty thousand hands. You see, like basically every combination. Sure. Like that. You know, you even see in fifty thousand hands. You even see a royal flush or two. Yeah, it happens. I, I got. Yeah. I think I got one royal flush. I got like five straight flushes in fifty thousand hands off the top of my head, and I got like one royal flush. And I was like, oh, exciting! There it is. It's it's that rare to get that. Um, but take two is, is buying Zynga. It's a symmetry or whatever. Or I don't know. They're, they want it. They want to bring uh, console PC games to mobile, and then connect people with the mobile or on the PC and. Synergy, not symmetry. Synergy. They want a synergy sort of plan. Uh, there's a little graphic here that came out about like drive uh, free to play, s- uh, synchronous, synchronous, plus platform ambitious. God, I, I hated saying that. 
and then you have and basically you <laughs> it get hurt my ears. Basically, you're going to see a, you're going to see a GTA mobile game. That's basically what's well, going to happen. They they already exist. Oh, they do. Yeah, we've talked about this. The mobile ports are why the fucking we've we've oh you've literally the words no, no. literally come out of no, your no, no. mouth, Patrick. No, no, I'm not talking about putting those games on mobile. I mean, like you're going to see GTA like mobile oh. shitty free to play games. Oh, I see. That's I what see I what mean. you're saying. Okay, you're going to see like like you see the commercials for like. Like these little dumb little puzzle games with the ogre hitting you with an axe and getting the jewels. We're, we're going to see yes. a GTA immortal. Yes, you're, you're, you're going to see a Flappy Bird, a GTA. Like n- not necessarily like that, but you're going to see these like n- probably dumbed down versions of these huge games on mobile. That, I think you're going to see that. Wow, I think you're going to. I mean, yeah. Why not? You sure. have the fan base of how many millions of people play GTA, and mobile is a huge thing, right? I mean, there's a whole console that's targeting the mobile audience, a whole new game console. Yeah. I'm not saying whether it's good or bad. We'll see, right? Um, no, yeah. no, we've already said it's bad. So, that, look, it even says, like, Experience Studios, like, 2K, Rockstar, Private Division, Portfolio of Iconic, Portfolio of Iconic Console PCIP, Red Dead, NBA 2K, Civilization, uh, Grand Theft Auto, Borderlands, Mafia, L.A. Noir is in there, uh, Bioshock. Put them back on. It, it goes then to okay. Here's the mobile game devs. Here's an arrow to them. Put them on mobile. Like that's the, <laughs> that's the graphic. Ooh, La Noire, a mobile game. How do you make that a mobile game? I don't know. Interrogation. It, I was going to say inter- interviews on the go. Yeah, that that that'd be fun. Okay. Well, there you go, Ian. Um, RK One Up is is a uh, announced a I guess a, a pro version. A pro series cabinets coming with a bigger killer instinct machine. This is interesting just because, you know, they've always been like a hobbyist sort of thing where it's like, okay, casual. We don't care if it's authentic. It's just that you have a little arcade. This is closer to a full size arcade. Um, this is going to be um, 68 inches tall, five foot six inches. So that is almost, you're approaching now a real arcade cabinet. You're getting closer to it. Real arcade cabinets are usually a little above six feet, right? Something like that. I think mine is like six on the dot. I've seen some that are about that size. So I mean, we can call the full size cabinet. It's it's close it's, enough. It's it's ninety percent there. It, the, the the point is is that like the other ones were like between four feet and like uh, five feet. Uh, this is getting there. It's going to be a nineteen inch monitor instead of a seventeen inch monitor. Uh, lit marquee, faux chrome trim, molded fake coin slots. Why don't you just mock up a coin slot that works? I'd say at that right. Um, an upgraded joystick. Uh, more generous spacing between components that improves precision. So you're not crunched together playing these games. Right. It's, it's more like a modern arcade machine. So you're basically going to – people and people are, have been mod, modding their arcade ones anyway with, like, better buttons and joysticks. Not that the, the, the default ones are that horrible, but, you know. So you're going to approach, though, this point that – not that, oh, you might as well buy an arcade machine, but the prices on these are just going to go up more and more. Yeah, you're gonna. Is it? You might approach like the stir machines where you have like the three level tiers of, of machines, and no one's gonna buy the shitty lower tier anymore. You're gonna buy the middle or the upper tier, right? It's gonna have Killer Instinct, Killer Instinct Two, the Battletoads arcade game, and then just to kill you, the eight bit Battletoads arcade game and the sixteen bit one. So the Super, probably the Super, not the Genesis one, and then you get the NES one that everyone loves, including Ian, uh, on there. And we don't know what it's going to cost, but if if you put a gun to my head, this will cost like no. 700. It says it says oh yeah, it's it, but expect it to come in above their five hundred dollars. This is going to cost seven hundred and fifty dollars, in my opinion. 
It's going to be expensive. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, at that point, I don't know that I see the the appeal necessarily. Because it used to be like, oh, these are like three hundred dollars, three fifty. They used to be an interesting thing where it was like, okay, these are cheap, um, and there were definitely some that had, you know, uh, some that utilized uh, unique control panels. So you got something close to it in your home for a, a good price discount, even yeah. if you're paying four hundred for some of the the the. Some of them, a lot of these machines in good shape would have been 800 to 1,000. But now we're getting to a full-size machine, and we're getting close to what a full-size machine would cost. Uh, I mean, you can get arcade machines for cheaper than 750 if, you know, depending on the quality of the LCD screens um, and the quality of everything of what else is made. I'd really have to see the quality here because if we're still dealing with substandard quality that was okay at a $300 machine. I don't know that that's going to translate well to a $750 machine. Are they, are they going to remake the four-player one? So like a, a full, full-size NBA Jam one? Like, would they do that? Would they, See, that's an instance know? where I think it would be worth it because those machines are expensive now. So reproducing NBA Jam machines that are in, that are well made that have a good full-size control panel I could see that, but I don't know that a Killer Instinct machine would I mean... We got to start somewhere. Huh? Our friend Joe has one, though. Like, I don't know that it was. I mean, granted, it comes with more, but I don't think it was that expensive to begin with. I think that's something that if you look granted, this is something that you can go to a website and be like, I'm ordering this that's right now my door. and order it. You don't yeah. have to hunt around for yeah. it, see what condition it's in. But I still think that at this point, I, 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 I don't know that they're going to translate into the full size machines. You know, okay. super well. I think I think the mini uh, thing for space and for price was kind of a. Um, you know that was that was a perfect storm for them. Yeah, and sometimes they went on sale for like two hundred dollars only for like the, that first run of like. Gala oh, a Gala lot of was, I saw yeah. I saw a lot of those go on sale for like a hundred. As a matter of fact, I was pissed. I missed a, a centipede was as cheap as like sixty five bucks at one point. Whoever was like, blowing them out. Yeah, whoever was blowing them out, and I was like, fuck, I I almost would have got that and put it in a corner somewhere until I had space. That's when they were just to play centipede with a trackball. That's when they were coming out with like the revisions. Yeah. That was the first run of them. They were just getting yeah. rid of, yeah, they were a hundred bucks at like Walmart and I think target. They were, they were selling them out. Yeah. Obviously they're not making money at that point. They're just like recouping as much as they can uh, on them. But all right, well, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, sales of the Nintendo switch reportedly topped the Wii. Ian, who would have thunk? Four and a half years ago. Not us, and certainly not a lot of people who I still hold in contempt for the way they thought that this thing was going to fucking fail. Oh, yeah, I'm not letting that go. Never never forget. Never forget the, the pretentious article writer who was named Ian uh, from The Atlantic. Never forget the YouTubers. Never forget. No, that's the thing. A lot um, of YouTubers, and a lot of them I'm on pretty good terms with, but there are some where I just like, every time I see their face, it's immediately what I think of. I'm like, they were so certain. They were so smug about it. They were so smugly certain about it. So smug. Yeah. That it was going to be a failure. Just like with sports predictions. It's like, and there's no consequence for all the sports predictions that go wrong with these quote unquote experts. They just like sweep it under the rug and you move on. They don't, even, they don't even say, hey, I was wrong. You say, hey, you was wrong, and this is why. But most of them just like, no. You know. Anyway, um, yeah, that was 101.63 the Wii sold. And reportedly, Nintendo Switch was able to sell 1.16 million units in the final weeks of December. And that brought it to 101.88 total. Wow. And it's still <laughs> going strong. For you're gonna see another three years, I'm guessing on the switch you're gonna get. Uh, I think it's got another year of gangbuster sales, and then a couple of years of petering off. Petering but, off, yeah. 
No, they didn't need that. They didn't need the super switch. They, there's no, there's no rush to put out a, 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 a successor when your original one is selling so well. That's business 101. You milk it as much as you can. Yeah, I I, I, I ended up buying an OLED, not for myself, but oh. I bought one for uh, Vani because her switch, which she has used every day, just, I mean, almost <laughs> relentlessly for, sure. since since it came out, that has poor. a really loud fan at this point. Okay. Like, and it's just starting to go. So for Christmas, I was like, whatever, we weren't able to go to Toronto because of being sick so i was like fuck it and i just i ordered her one of the oled ones and they're nice but like there's part of me that's still like i really would like to see a switch with a nicer processor in there but i'm beginning to think that it's just gonna end up being a successor to it we're not gonna get a 0.5 step out of them that's just gonna be it we're not gonna get a 0.5 we're not gonna get a half step out of them it'll be more like what we like the 3ds to the ds it'll be backwards compatible probably yes i would imagine backwards compatibility would be a thing i would hope sure uh yeah we don't have a good transition no here. i was gonna i was looking i was searching for it go to ultimate and for the new year ring in the new year ian <laughs> you didn't set me up no i know uh, we well, both failed there i was thinking you can get the ultimate nintendo guidebooks super and nes that limited run uh did a pre-order on uh, my pal and our pals at limited run did that as well thanks to them for spreading the word rbi baseball stickers you can get ian's cute face on an enamel alongside me and the limited shirts limited t-shirts uh, we still have a few left there on the limited T-shirts, so you got them right there. Yeah, yeah. As well, um, Ian, we have to give ourselves a Christmas presents. We have to exchange them. Oh, we do. We got to do that. Let's start with the ones that uh, loyal listeners sent us. Yeah, loyalists. Uh, Jamie wrote a nice letter, uh, a long letter, handwritten. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, Jamie sent us both, Ian. The Death of WCW book. Oh, nice. By R. Day Reynolds and Brian Alvarez. Uh, I saw it happen in real time, but be, Me too. It, it'll be it'll be happy it'll be see. it'll be fun. Um, once I saw the finger poke, I'm like, this company's done. That was basically the beginning of the end right there. Yeah. The finger poke of doom. But thank you so much. You got that as well. I'll get myself um, a, a sprite and a bag of peanut butter M&Ms. Open and... up your in in, the, in your uh, your Nike. Your, and he also sent me a vintage, not I mean vintage style uh Toledo Mudhead shirt. Oh, that's awesome. He also got uh, Frank a shirt and a field guide for Frank. Two field guys. Or no, three field guys, but Frank already had one, of course. So he's going to re-gift that one uh, to someone. He got you the book. He got you some some candies, Ian. Yeah, I got I got, uh, I got uh, Swedish Fish, which I love. Assorted ones. Oh, my God. Those are those are rarities. You don't know. See, oh, really? Well, not, not it's not bad. rarities, necessarily. But um, you, uh, you don't see... The flavor, the multi-flavored uh, ones, all the time. I think I know what this is. Jamie also got me the he got me the gift. Uh, what's that, Ian? It's a T-shirt of the year of the panda '88. I have no idea, but I uh, I enjoy it and I will wear it. <laughs> okay, the year of the panda. Okay, maybe, maybe some Toledo hot. Is, is, is there a zoo there? That would be awesome is, if that's is, what it is. Is there a Toledo Zoo? I believe there is. Um, Jamie also got me a Hallmark. Uh, keepsaking, and he got me the little link uh, ornament that came out. It's I wonder if that's what this is. Little link no. ornament. Oh no! Uh-oh. I got some buttons. Oh my god, a cedar point button. That's amazing. Two cedar point buttons. What's a cedar point? Cedar point is a an amazing. Um, I love cedar point so much. It's a uh, uh, amusement park in oh. uh, Sandusky, Ohio, that has like fifteen roller coasters. Really? Okay. Yes. 
Yes, it is like the roller coaster capital of the world. It's awesome. You got lots of stuff. There, yeah, Ian. and a very nice card. I will so, read this. Thank you, Jamie. That thank is very you. nice. Yeah, I will read that when I get and it. Then, and then, Ian, you got anything else there? Oh, there's also something that this is how you know I'm a good friend because anyone else but you, you would not have seen this uh-huh. because he got us, Ian, the gigantic. Jamie also got us the gigantic Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh, so I kept this one for you. Thank you, sir. Half half a pound of peanut butter cup, and boy, is it soft on the inside. It is. It is. Hell pretty, yeah. Yeah. That's Boy, cool. I was tempted not to do that, not, not to say, oh, I don't know about the peanut butter cup. I don't know about what happened to it. Uh, my friend Evan Nixon here also sent me a card. Um, he is a very good artist and uh, a sticker of the Hornet uh, fighting uh, from is it Fighting Vipers. I can't remember which um, which fighting game has the unlockable fighting car in it, uh, but you can also play as a uh, fighting AM2 palm tree okay. in it as well. So this is the right. card from Daytona. Daytona! All right, and now we got gifts. I mean, I, I pre-gifted Ian the OSW. Uh, I did not wrap it, but there is your you, gift. You didn't wrap my gift. No, I did not. I was running out of the door this morning. But you still have to open it to see what the fuck it is. I mean, it looks like a material cloth. Uh-huh. Th- thanks, Ian. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, what, what did you get me? It, it's a sweatshirt. Oh, oh, wow. It's a Video Game History Foundation uh, sweatshirt. Look how nice. It's fucking nice. And, yeah. t- and a tax deductible gift, Ian. Thank you so much. It well, is for tax you. Deductible. I mean, for you, tax yes. deductible. That is nice. Thank you. Oh, a jalapeno jelly. Yes. Ooh, where'd you find this? I'm not giving away my secrets of where I get this stuff. I love jalapeno jelly. I, did, I had no idea, but I my my Ian sense was tingling when I saw it. Uh, jalapeno jelly. I know exactly what I'm doing with this. I'm going to go get some wheat thins. You're gonna put them on that. This I'm gonna nice. put jalapeno. It's uh, yeah. Holy. Um, and it looks kind of like uh, it's a uh, it's it's dress casual. It's dress just, casual because no hood on it. Yeah, yes. it's nice. Um, and I figure you know what the Video Game History Foundation is, and you have no idea who that band is that you always wear that hoodie for. Oh no, Divine Heresy! I have yes. no idea who they are. Yeah, um, wheat thins, jalapeno jelly, little 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 dab of cream cheese. Okay, little, little dab of cream I, I was told that that can be a, sp- a spread marinade as well. Yes, on certain chickens or even fish, you could you can go for it. On that, it was made by an old woman. Oh, I'm sure it's amazing. Yes, I I, I have I have no doubt that this is. Uh, have, have I done well in gifts so far? I've, I've been thoughtful. You've done well. I, I, the little quilting gift thing, the little pin thing. <laughs> you've done well. Okay, well, this one I forgot what it was, but I think you'll like this as well. But you forgot what it was. Yes, now I remember. Adult collectible, not a toy. Oh, that is really cool. Yeah, I like that. Well, Ian, it's the uh, alien out for a walk from from uh, Joe Bot. Very nice. And the book and the accompanying book. And and that's signed by the author. Oh, sick! Did you uh, find this at a convention? The Comic Con. Nice. That's awesome. That's why I was hoping if you went, you wouldn't have seen it in bought. No, no, no. Because I probably would have. <laughs> So these are, these, these are children books, but it's the alien character. They're, they're fully licensed. And um, so I was walking I was walking down the Comic-Con, the artist alley, and someone runs up to me. And he goes, I think I saw you. It's, hey, it's Pat. Uh, it's, it's you. And so he was familiar with us in the show. He dragged me back to his tail. I'm like, okay, who, who is this lunatic? And I'm just like, oh, no, this, this guy's awesome. Yeah. Joe is fantastic. Yeah. No, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta see what see what this looks like. And I think, I think that the, I think the statue is limited too. Limited. I mean, anything like this would be limited. Oh, it was a loot crate item, so yeah, it was limited. 
Uh, but the book is signed here by Joey uh, Spiato. Oh, that's very, very cute. Yeah, I like that a lot. Look at that. Sign, signed with love, Ian. Oh. There you go, Well, Ian. thank you, sir. All right, Ian. I, I, I love you sometimes. Sometimes. But not most of the time. Yes. But, but, but whenever I, I thought about buying this, I love you. We're a sometimes kind of friendship. Yeah. Yay! All right, thank you. You're like, you're like, the, like the second cousin there. Uh, we still doing a podcast? We're still doing a podcast. Uh, GameStop. Oh, I forgot to say this. I'm having my 100th. 100th Ian retro TV commercial stream Wednesday at, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash country code. Ian might show up for the hundredth. He might. I might. I might guilt him to show up. We'll see. And it's been it's been a lot of fun doing that. And uh, it keeps me sane somehow. Maybe that's what connected with people during the pandemic since I started during really excited about this jalapeno jam. I figured you like weird stuff like that that isn't your normal like cuisine accessory my grandma loved jalapeno jam okay well then ian then we have a psychic bond i don't know why yeah. i got that but i was like you know ian might want this thing. yeah see i do i do i do well sometimes i'm a good pig um all right uh so yeah check, catch me on, on on twitch 100th time wednesday twitch.tv slash contra code gamestop nft used game marketplace was reannounced announced when i saw this i'm like didn't they talk about this before i swear they've already talked about this but this was part of like a pump and dump thing because the stock went up 30 percent when this happened our fingers are on the pulse you have a red glitter on your nose from the presence i think it's fine just let you know um so the plan is to do an nft uh, marketplace so you can track the buying and selling of your of your used digital copy, which I guess would be a thing. Even though, how do you use a digital game? You know, how do you, has that happened? Do you do you like get your thumbprints on it and your Cheeto fingers? I don't know. Um, it was a meme stock before. It's still a meme stock, but now they're trying to make it into a real stock. But we th- we heard about this before. Well, so uh, this is not so far for the used games. This is just an NFT marketplace that they're opening. I still don't think they've really figured out how to do anything with the used games. That's just oh, an okay. NFT marketplace. It's just like OpenSea or any other place that is fucking selling NFTs. So again, again, this they, they still have not found anything useful to do with NFTs. Except I, thought for was, I thought the whole point was to, to buy and sell digital games. I thought that was the whole point well, of it. Well, the, 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 the thing is, is you don't need NFTs to do that. There is nothing oh. that NFTs do that you can't do a different way. Uh, there was an updated to this uh, article later uh, on January 7th. GameStop's reported NFT plan is dead on arrival, according to an analyst who, who's well, talking about it. This is what I'm going to say about the NFT marketplace. That's nothing, if it has nothing to do with games, what's the point of it? What's the, what's the market advantage versus one of the ones that pre Just making money to sell it. That's it. And I just, I, I love, you know, there was a lot of stuff over the holidays that happened. I don't know if you you uh, caught wind of the All My Apes Been Stolen uh, tweet that went out, and the guy had his apes stolen. And his NFT apes. His NFT apes were stolen. Um, so the thing that NFT people love, and, and no one ever responds to this when it's brought up online, the thing that people who love NFTs love to ram down your throat is, it's decentralized. It's decentralized. Just like crypto. The ledger. The ledger is the law. Yet these people... When their fucking apes get stolen, <laughs> they cry to OpenSea or the store where they bought them, and they get flagged. So they want everything to be unregulated when they're making money, but they want all the regulations when something bad happens to them. Crying- you fucking asked for it, you idiots. That's what unregulated marketplaces do. You shouldn't get shit back. There is no theft. It's unregulated. The fucking ledger <laughs> says, I own it. I own it. You don't own it anymore. <laughs> 
You fucking idiots. Do you think? Do you think for fucking 30 seconds? They don't, they don't think criming can occur. It's, it's all. Oh, no, it's perfect. They don't think it'd be nefarious actors that can potentially hack into oh any of this stuff or to do anything weird with it. But I think he got, he got a couple of his apes back. When you say he got his apes back, he got a receipt back saying that he paid for a re- receipt of an image that he doesn't own. That's what you have to remind people. Like, you're not actually owning. These people always keep their fucking apes up in their profile picture, too, after they've been stolen. You don't own it anymore. Take it down. The ledger's law. But you technically don't own that image anyway. That's what, like, like, you don't own the copyright to that. Most of these NFTs, you don't get the copyright to that. I would be so much. Like, I realize it's because they have to sell it to the next fucking schlub, but I would be so. I would have so much less disdain for these people if they just openly came out and were like, we're awful people and we want to speculate we're on trying, energy. We're trying to scam on the next people behind us. We want, we, it's a greater This is all us. about money. We know yes. that these have no useful use yes. cases. Oh, yeah. And I said before publicly that I could see, in principle, even a, you know, a use you know, for cryptocurrency. I can see that. And obviously, there's been a market borne out of people using it as a digital sort of a token, uh, like, a, like a, a wealth holder. Uh, NFT holds shit. You know, uh, people were just like, this is nuts. Um, speaking of that, Ian, uh, Konami, who seemed like they were doing well m- more recently, announced Castlevania 30th anniversary. Don't ever trust Konami. They're getting our good graces again. They uh, didn't get in my good graces, but... Castlevania 35th anniversary NFTs. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a way to celebrate the anniversary <laughs> of... Uh... What a way to celebrate the, the long... Uh, you know, the... the one of the games that helped not just keep your build your company, but keep it afloat. One of the franchises, the long running franchise that's beloved by millions of people. We're going to sell you some fucking NFTs on an auction. There's an NFT auction for them. Ian, you can go to the page. There's uh, 14 items. You can get a, you can get a cube. Uh, uh, Casimir Dagger versus Frankenstein Igor. I guess I'll be a spinning cube. Oh, I can play it right now so I can see what I'm buying. Oh, there you go. Wow. There's the intro screen. Then it goes to another cube. You see a boomerang uh, against the Grim Reaper. Uh, there's there's ones. Mostly looks like they're mostly for Castlevania 1 and 2, but there is one for Circle of the Moon and there, uh, a couple others. This is all garbage. That's the whole point. It's garbage. It's trash. You can and there's offers on them. I don't know what 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 currency they're using. Uh, is that Ethereum? W E T H? Is that what ETH that is? ETH is Ethereum. Yeah. Uh, so I guess there's bids on them right now. 0.16. So right now, for example, the, the highest bid on one of these, uh, the Castle Pixel Art. You know, the, the, the map screen when you five hundred sixteen dollars. Pe- someone's trying to um, get the buy the receipt for this item. People make me so sad. Buy the receipt for this item that. I know it's a meme. I can right-click and save it, but I, I, that's the image right there. That's, that's what it is. I don't even want to right-click and save it. <laughs> NFT farts, which, which it's a, a melding of reality and, and, <laughs> and matter. So this made the rounds. So there, there is a, <sighs> a reality star named Stephanie Motto used to sell farts in a mason jar. Much like your jelly. You're a jalapeno jelly. She used to fart in a jar. Um, and I'll then fart my jelly. she used to fart in jars and then sell them to people that wanted to collect her farts. Don't hate the player, hate the game. That's what it comes down to. Um, you don't 
go after her, you go after the idiots that are that are pathetic. The same thing them. happened with the Belle Delphine stuff. I don't know anything. His water, yes. Uh, the bath water. I don't, I don't know. know I, I don't know anything about her. I, she may I be a business. horrible person, but, what she but I'm not going to attack her for selling bath water because if I could make a lot of money <laughs> selling bath water, Ian, I would too. We can try it. <laughs> no, no. We can try it. No. I'm no. sure I, I could sell, you know, some some used sheath underwear. Sponsored by sheath underwear. You know, like there's if there's a market for it, find that market. These idiots have too much money. So here's the thing: don't leave money on the table. No, don't leave <laughs> don't leave money in your anus. Apparently, don't leave money in your ass. <laughs> Get um, it into a jar. So, sell it. So she was selling farts and mason jars. How do you know it's authentic? You, can you like do a sniff test? How do you know that's really that's really farted? But she was trying to be authentic, and supposedly um, uh, she like ate a bunch of beans and, and like protein stuff. And she got like bowel distension and went to the hospital because she tried to, I guess, drum up more fart business because she was selling these in at a thousand a jar, a thousand a jar. That's not what the jalapeno jelly costs, by the way. I got a better deal on that. So she's selling this for a thousand a jar. And to accelerate it, she started, I guess, I would just wait every day when I got a little gas or maybe she was trying to uh, produce the farts like a factory. And so um, she, she said, you know what, instead of uh, risking my health, my bowel health, I'm going to sell NFT image farts, which now is what she's doing. She made 200000 uh, selling her farts in Mason Drives, by the way, <sighs> that's what she said. Wow. So um, her farts are available. So if there was anything, if there was one NFT, you can say this encapsulates the entire theory behind NFTs and the ridiculous nature. It's farts. And that's the, that's the point, Ian. That's the whole point of this. They're cute little farts. They're like like little hands and little faces on jars. Um, she said uh, to Insider, I don't have a whole lot. <laughs> she said to Insider, I'm very good at turning shit into gold. Uh, do I have a laugh thing on here? I don't have a laugh button uh, on there. <laughs> okay, I'm going to capture that and put it on the soundboard. Of course. Uh, no, no thoughts on Stephanie? Stephanie motto? No, I, I, I don't. I mean... Get that money, girl. If she if, and if this is someone I never heard of, a reality star doing this. What if like Angelina Jolie said, "I'm gonna sell farts." She can get like probably ten thousand dollars per jar, and just like this, <laughs> someone else is gonna do this. How did how did, did someone like ask her? And, and now I'm curious. Like they didn't ask her how the hell did you think of this in the first place to do this? Did someone with a fetish say, "I want your farts"? And she said, "You know, I'm gonna make a batch of ten. Probably. You, you make one batch. You might as well make a batch of ten. You're gassy. You had your McDonald's. You know. <laughs> I mean, is it just like a? Is there a funnel that she <laughs> she farts into, like with a tube that runs into like ten different jars? And oh then wow! That, 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 that's cap them up quick. Wow, that's kind of ingenious, Ian. That's that's. But then you're diluting them. It's a diluted The first one. farts probably was the first. I'm done. Is it I'm like done a v- it's like a VHS dub? <laughs> yeah. you're right. Different generations of farts? The one down the line <laughs> is going to be the weakest. Th- that was a device. God, what was that medieval medieval story, the comedy series? There was a monk that came up with an idea to, to, to with like horn farts to splay them all around. What the hell was that book I read in high school? That Like that classic that was written in like... Canterbury Tales. Something like that happened in Canterbury Tales. How the hell did I remember that? Canterbury Tales. It's, oh, it's hard. It's rough it, stuff. But there's a lot of raunchy humor in that. And one of them yes. was someone like a monk or a friar coming up with a device to get the farts to go out in different directions with like a horn system like that. that I remember that. 
Someone, someone who's read Canterbury Tales in the comments have to back me up here. How the hell do I remember that? That was like 25 years ago I read that. So, all right, are we doing a podcast, Ian, or are we talking about farts the whole time? Uh, we're doing a podcast. Ian, it's a new year, 2022. There's <laughs> Look, you give me <laughs> the sullen look. It doesn't feel like a new year if we're uh, talking about the Amica. Uh, yes, so a lot of stuff has happened, believe it or not, in the past week oh no shit uh no no nft farts we've had uh an ars technica encapsulation of, of where the product is and if it's going to be surviving this world we had an nft related to the amico be put up and then taken down we had finally a, a republic investors update uh as well where's my update button and we had a nice medium write-up that we'll, we'll discuss talking about why the latest update is a middle finger to those awaiting promised returns. Oh, I that's I did not see I that. I added that. So okay, so we're gonna start. We're gonna go in order. Good old uh, Sam Mekovics from Ars Technica, our pal, um, said meltdown prediction in television. Amico doesn't seem long for this world. A decent retro console idea for 2018, but delays and questions have changed our tune. I'm not sure I ever thought it was a decent idea to be uh, to be honest, but I f- think no. Okay, I we'll feel just... I, I feel like uh, and, 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 and no no uh, no insult to Sam. I feel like that's just a way of making it seem like hey, this could have worked. I, I I think it's just a little bit of niceness before the harsh stuff. That's like, basically yeah. what we said. We're like, eh, we'll see, but probably not at the time. That's the 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 way he pitched it initially, which was obviously all pie in the sky bullshit. If it had come out that way, I still don't think it would have sold well, but I could have been potentially interested yeah. if Data East and IREM and other companies had actually been on board. It would have been closer to what 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 the, the you know the Evercade stuff has become. Yes, exactly. I, I would have been a bit more interested in that, um, but it quickly spiraled out of control sure. from there. So um, he basically goes through all the troubles that we've seen. He talked about the developmental portal left unlocked in this article, talked about um, how the price has increased, things like that. Talked about how these games um, and the OS isn't completed, as we've seen. The games we don't know are completed. World of Tanks, exposed by critics, uh, it led to in television editing and relisting the video twice. It was relisted three times, times. I believe. Yeah, three. Uh, copy and pasted text from Star Fox in another. So the article just sums up what we know about this. How we we um, we haven't seen updates to the choice provisions of other ocean titles you know yeah, like the more, more polished looking games we haven't seen uh, uh brand new footage in what like two years almost on those i'm all sniffly <laughs> 2019 2019 is what is rumored to have been the last update of information on the um other ocean and the uh choice provisions titles jesus uh we talked about here how the atari age of uh flap that happened uh about a month ago and then talking about wow everything about this sesame street games evil people so the point is that this is ours technical this is a major publication shining a light on this again which is why it was a big deal when it happened after e3 they had publications finally writing about this because before that it was just dumb podcasters like us really speculating or not speculating but no one was backing us up uh the comments are great uh, the, the top one is, oh, you're, you're going to get some salty, poorly spelled tweets from Tommy Tallarico for this. And um, some people saying was well, just ever more than a scam. As I recall, their logo looked like a lot like a penis. So 
it's a nice article, but like if you've been following the podcast, it's you've heard it before. Right. There's nothing new. Uh, it's nothing new. But Sam also somehow found out that the Wormy Run NFT existed. So on the uh, marketplace, I think it was OpenSea. Yeah, open, uh, it was OpenSea. Um, he said, "He said this is weird. An animation cycle from the unreleased Earthworm Jim game meant for Mika went live as an NFT yesterday. I asked a question about whether its NFT sale offer meant the Mika game was toast. An hour later, the NFT sale vanished, and it was by uh, the the actual artist, the animator, yeah, uh, the actual animator. Uh, what is it, uh, uh, Mike D- Dietz? So this is the run, the little run cycle that we saw. Uh, at this point, who the hell knows what the hell we saw then uh, on that." What was that? 2000 fall, 2019 or 2020 um, promo. It was at the last second. Yeah. Um, where it runs on, on the beach left and right. And that's it. And that's it. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, shit, this game isn't being worked on. What the fuck did we just see? Was that even like in some sort of gameplay engine? Was that in like Adobe After Effects? What the fuck was that? We don't know what we saw. The point is, is that that exact run animation was trying to be sold as an NFT, which is just a weird thing to see. Yeah, apparently Sam asked if that meant anything had changed with the game, and then it was taken down an hour later. Um, I'm not sure that why it would have had anything to do with the game, though. I think that's just still people operating on the fact that you actually get something when you purchase an NFT as opposed to uh, nothing. Um, I don't think, you know, if someone bought that NFT, they would have had the rights to that animation. Oh, no, absolutely not. Right. No, so uh, that's not what NFTs usually are. You don't get the exactly. So uh, that's what I'm getting. At. I don't understand what that question was about. Was in terms of does this mean you know something has changed with the the Amico game? Just weird to see. You don't know if probably probably Intellivision had nothing to do with it, but it's just not good to see that for a game that you saw like a 12 second you came and say demo of, and now you see. Uh, the animation cycle from that in there it, it raises some weird questions yeah it, it, it's it's strange at the very least uh but happy new year republic investors you got an update after 100 days of not having one and it was boy oh boy was it an info dump there's not a lot of good news we're just gonna throw every fucking piece of shit news at you and well, hopefully and a lot of recycled news too because he had talked about um he mentions the uh the roadshow stuff and i believe he had updated investors previously at least on the crayola salt lake city probably one. the uh turkey point <laughs> turkey point <laughs> so so this is a huge update to them because remember when you when you went back to like this the scummy uh neil patel investment video you're gonna they said you're gonna start seeing returns in 2021 by the end of the year you're gonna start seeing money back oh did they actually oh, say yeah. that of course because remember that video was from like march of last year remember yeah. Uh, when they still were saying, like, some people like Jay Allen were still involved when they weren't. Yeah. Things like that. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, well, he was gone in 2020. Yes. Jay Allard, by, by the, no, I know. I'm saying summer. that's when they, that's when that video Timeline was, was Jay Allard gone by late summer 2020. Investment shit, March 2021 or spring. Uh, those the investment videos. So, um, no one's getting money back yet. We know that. Uh, real quick about that. The physical products was brought up in this update. Because that's something they actually yeah. made money on. Right. People have bought them. Someone bought me one. You know, someone bought one for me. Uh, what's interesting though about the physical product is that there's no mention about how many of these things have been sold. It just says, "Hey, we yeah. revealed them," and doesn't say anything about them being almost sold out either, which they tried to pump in the Atari Age forum. But if the investors 
supposedly get a part of this, or if they do, you think you would say, hey, listen, we we sold a certain amount of these for this amount of money, and you know that's a, you can see return on that. There's nothing about that here. It just says they can be purchased. That's all it says to them. It says, we have created a really unique and fun way for collectors to enjoy getting their games as well as giving us more in-store retail presence to consumers. Um, yeah, that's that's basically what you say. You can buy the bundles directly from Intellivision. So then there's uh, there's like all the videos from from the, the, the smaller YouTubers' reactions, and it's just like, what is happening here? Uh, Best Buy Canada pre-order sold out, even though who knows how many they gave to them. What the allotment was? Was it all, like the one 50? thing said sold out when it went up? So like I'm under the impression there was nothing there to be. Yeah, it's very very strange. Uh, they talk about the press and media. Obviously, the, the two German critical articles don't make an appearance here, but there's you know uh, there was a three page interview in Old School Gamer magazine. There was an AARP thing that happened. Great, went to six thirty six million readers. Great, bank on that marketing um, and things like that. So. What's telling, though, Ian, is the comments uh, below. Yes. Um, the, from the people that actually see this as a real investment, which I feel bad for. Uh, thanks for the updates. We need new dates of launch and convert of securities, please, from Wilford Earl Ford Jr. That's a very... Investorly name. Investor name. Like if, I'm, if you told me Wilford Earl Ford Jr. was not an investor, I, I think you're kidding. Um, from Greg. I understand that there have been some difficult issues and setbacks, and, and that's why the games are not available yet. What is the new date of when the games will be in stores for purchase? Well, Greg should realize that the game should be should be finished if the hardware is an issue. You still can finish the games. Uh, Tommy is from Doug. Tommy, can you provide any information about a new projected release date or any explanation of why the goal of shipping pre-orders by the end of the year was not met? That's what a reasonable investor would ask. Yeah. Like, let me know what, what was happening here. You pushed this back already. What what like what's happening here? Um, thanks. This is from Darren. Thanks for the update. Quick question: Are you holding investor funds in escrow for the time? That was being, the one that I saw. That would be interesting. Pending the company being in position to launch the gaming system, just want to make sure that we don't end up in a situation where the funds are drained to zero in two years while waiting for supply chain slash chip issues to resolve. Thanks. What a reasonable question from Darren. But Darren should realize that if there's such this weird chip supply chain issue, why have all, all these other competing products coming out? Right. Why is this the only uh, console, even in a smaller business, that isn't coming out? Why is the Play 8 still coming out? Why is the Evercade Versus uh, coming out? Why is the Analog Pocket out? Like, why, why, what's so special about the chips in this? Well, I mean, I feel kind of bad for the, because a lot of these investors, though, when you look at it, they, they appear to be, uh, there are some that appear to be real investors, but some of them just appear to be old people who got, suckered into a potentially couple, couple thousand bucks so, so, some say hey i got here from uh, neil patel, patel and his you know his fucking uh, insider cl- uh, investor club or uh, tika tawara had his that guy in florida uh from his newsletter telling me i should invest in this here's my five thousand here's my thousand here's my two thousand here's my ten thousand a lot of these are older people that don't know better they have extra money thrown around and thinking I saw some comments in about, oh, this would be good. This would be good potential, you know, like, um, you know, for my daughter or something. It'd be money for her in the future. No, it isn't going to be, unfortunately. Right. It's not going to be. And you feel bad for these people because they don't just not know about how this product is going because the information is not 
in front of their faces, but they don't know about the video game sector in general. They're not. That, yeah, that's the main thing I want to say. I don't think a lot of these people are, are, are video game savvy. Like the person who's talking about the shipping of games, I don't think he's talking about individual games. I think he's referring to the whole the whole the whole little. thing is a game. Yeah, the positivity from people. Mr. Talarico loved this thorough update. Yeah, Tommy only responds to Tommy only responds to people in the invest who are kissing his ass or or saying fluff or nothing. Onward and upwards. Okay. Love this thorough update. Onward and upward upwards gets a comment from Tommy one day ago. Thank you for the awesome update, Tommy. Gets a comment from Tommy one day ago. But people with actual questions, actual financial cr- questions, crickets. Yes. Uh, someone, piece of shit. Someone. Uh, who blew $10,000 for a Ferrari ride, commented here, uh, keep up the great work in television. Yeah, you'll see your return. Um, I wonder if he was wearing a shirt when he posted that. <laughs> wearing his own shirt? Uh, nope, just a, a shirt uh, in general. Shirt. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, you need extra money for that. Um, Chris's comment is, is, is really strange, this one. Uh, it seems like a possible positive. positive. This is someone who's doing uh, okay. mental gymnastics. It seems like a possible positive to me. A few more months and it will be past a year since I purchased the shares or whatever you call it. The person doesn't even know what they put money into, by the way. So I will possibly own a long-term asset instead of a short-term asset. Or maybe that does not even matter, but I will look at it as a possible positive. I will research this, I guess, next year. This person doesn't even know what they blew their money on. Yeah. They don't even know that they technically don't get any part of Intellivision, the company itself. They are investing actually technically in Republic and the funds funnel to Intellivision back to Republic, who then disperses the revenue share. And it's fucking convoluted and it's a mess and it's ridiculous to begin with before you even look at the product itself. I wonder how Republic feels about all of this since they're obviously so tightly uh, so tightly um, tied to this. I have no idea. How this stuff works. Um, like in, also, in terms for the, of like, does Republic have to? Do they go to intelligence? Hey, we need this shit to come out. Or since Republic has the money, they can just decide to do what the hell they want with it. I would love to see uh, a response to the person who asked about that. Those funds being in escrow, because I'm almost 100 percent certain the answer is no, they're not, and they've been spent. Otherwise, why would they be trying to drum up funding on another website? See, the, see, the, the rumor I heard, the insider rumor I heard was that Republic could hold the, the funds until Intellivision actually ships something. Oh, really? That's what I... I don't know if it's true or not, but the way this happens is that the funds go to Republic first. Sure. And then they get dispersed at how they feel, uh, see fit. So I don't know. So if that's if that's the long, long game here, it's like, well, we got to get something out the door in order to prove we ship something to get the money to keep us afloat, which I believe is around... It's around $7 million. It's not the 11. It's about $7 million that people have uh, given here. Um, What's the eleven million? Mean? Eleven was was the promised number, but that's actually money that actually came through. Oh, okay. And that's in one of the filings. The eleven point five was committed, but that's not actually what they received. They received a, a more than seven. Okay, from that. Um, so I feel bad for these people. I honestly do feel bad for these investors. No, one, bad for some of them. I mean, they've got to uh, learn a lesson. At least this is a. I mean, honestly, a lot of these people probably have. Hopefully, Jesus, I don't know. Couple thousand tied up in here. Some, I mean, have, some have ten, some have five, some have more. Like you don't know. You just, you just see the ones that you comment on. You see how much for through the reviews. You see how much they have they have given. Five thousand, thousand, five thousand, five thousand. Yeah, 5, I mean, I was hoping it'd be a cheaper lesson, uh, but I feel like this is four thousand from one person. Jesus. Eight thousand. A thousand is actually the the least uh, amount. A lot of people have three yeah. more. Um. 
And then the people are out of touch. I mean, I invested because these are the games we played as kids. Way more simple and fun. I don't understand all the new games kids God. play. Today. Why you do if not you don't understand? If you don't understand, don't be in the market of what you're investing in. But he under, but he knows that new kids are playing games. He doesn't understand them. I think a lot of people my age are going to love this. Holy shit. Oh, Holy shit. I, See, I, I mean, I don't feel uh, that bad for those sorts of people. Like, I, you're I not do. smart. You're not You're not investing smartly. That's true. I mean, they say you have to do your research, research before you invest. I invested because it's affordable and you get enough games for your bucks starting off. It's also a way to bring back family time and fun. Oh, my God. So, just people buying into just bullshit the, words. Yes, the just, bullshit marketing. Um. I believe in television. Miko is well positioned in the video game no, industry. No, it's not. First of all, I hate seeing that that term, term. well positioned. Uh, in terms of well positioned, the only thing I could have made it better would have been if they said well positioned in the video game space, video game industry, which is in high demand. I see the vast expertise of the management officers and the diverse and wide range. They said wide range, wide range of the company proprietary games library. This is a bullshit words. This is word salad. I know. Yeah, it's just well, they're out of two thousand dollars. And and it's more and more. It's a lot of older folks. It's a lot of people that might have you know invested in other things. Um, yeah, some people are banking on Tommy Tallarico in the comments. Oh God, he can't lose. Tommy well, Tallarico can't lose. I saw him talk on, on a call, and he seemed so nobody was talking about. So I'm gonna here's five thousand dollars. It's like wow, okay, all right, it's dumb. Some way to uh, do it. This this two thousand dollars from this person. I don't want you to go after these people, obviously, but it just shows you the type of people that are lost their money uh, because it was strongly recommended by my investor advisory service. One of the two we probably talked about because of the strong in television brand recognition. He spelled in television wrong, by the way, when he said the strong in television brand recognition. Uh, I remember playing in television game, video games as a kid in the seventies and eighties, and three because the video game market has incredible global growth potential. I had the original television when I was a kid. Okay, great. Thanks I mean, for thanks for the thousands. And it goes on and on. It's 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 bad. It's bad. Yeah. So um, here's a medium write up, Ian, from uh, Michael Vincenti. In television's latest investor update, is a middle finger to those who parted with thousands of dollars and still desperately await. Their returns. Did you get a chance to glance at this? I did, and, and I think the person is 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 spot on. I mean, basically, they say that you know it's it's a lot of words, but nothing, um, nothing concrete. No new release date. No new dates for like the. Here's the pilot plastics. Well, when are they all finishing? What's the next step? What's the next? I mean, at this point, Tommy should be to investors should be delivering a timeline of yes. what's happening. Not here's what happened in the past year. Some of which you've already seen. People love it. And again, here's this picture from yeah. 2019 with people's faces. Uh, this uh, video from you know here's an influencer video from 2019 at the bottom. Like yeah. it's just yeah. Here's an influencer video from someone that has 300 subscribers saying, "Oh, I loved I loved Battle Tanks." You know, it's like, no, there was a pilot plastics picture which showed like, oh, well, here's the plastics we think we're going to, you know, eventually manufacture. For the wood grain, yeah. Oh, I didn't talk about the really, really weird wording about the manufacturing in that, in that, uh, in that message here. I forgot. I totally glossed over that. Uh, to get around the, to get around the fact that they're not actually manufacturing this thing, but that it's in production. Uh-huh. Let me see if I, if I find this, Ian, this fucking ridiculous Let's see. Manufacturing. Um, as we progress 
and accomplish goals in the production phase of manufacturing. The production phase of manufacturing, which to me would mean they are producing, trying to produce components and get them to eventually yes. piece this fucker together. Uh, also known as uh, formal production. <laughs> <laughs> so I talk about the pilot production plastics, the tool will be we use in our initial run with our contract manufacturer, giving the manufacturing team an opportunity to val- validate various assembly and quality control processes in preparation for mass production. You're right. So the timeline would be, when the fuck is that happening? When is actual manufacturing happening? When are the lines over in China going to actually be putting these together? When is that happening? Uh, if I recall uh, correctly, there's no mention in there and anywhere in that update about uh, shipping in 2022 either. I just I have I would have to guess that at this point they would be stupid to announce any release date. This year. Um, well, they said we want to share one of our recent achievements as we navigate our initial our initial release date for 2022. Oh, they, okay. they haven't revealed what that. Release I think date. that still means I think that's that they took the end of the year for founders orders and I think just transferred it to end of the year this year for founders. You orders, think so? Is what they're trying to but say, but not officially. Yeah. Yet. Okay. Uh, the medium article is good though. Going back to the medium article. Uh, because it encapsulates, you know, just like you said, it's a middle finger to all the investors. Uh, they should want, they should demand more at this point. Yes. Well, when they invested, they were said it was going to be out in October of 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, the pre-orders in early 2020, you were told it was going to come out October 2020. Yeah. So every time you got money from people, it was bullshit. It was a lie. Yep. You knew it wasn't going to come out. Nope. And it's, it's, it's garbage. It's like, oh, we didn't know. No, no, you know it's not coming out. Several months ahead, you know, you know the, the timeline. If you're manufacturing a console, this isn't like hey, uh, hey yeah, uh, so you don't just I'm get not a surprise pressing, call. I'm not fucking <laughs> pressing uh, DVDs or Blu-rays or or CDs. Like I'm not doing that, which takes like a week and a half. Right. You're making a fucking video game console. You don't turn this around in a month. That's not how this works. I was looking for the not for resale Blu-ray behind me, but I don't see it. So anyway, um, it's insane. Obviously. Uh, this is the, the final thing that uh, Michael Vincenti said on this page. Um, he, he points out that that um, they included some articles, but not the, the, the M magazines, M games, and the Heist uh, articles because they were critical. Um, it seems that Tommy Tallarico still feels like he owes investors nothing or at least nothing of substance. Despite the fact that he's happy to boast about the millions of dollars he took from them, it looks like he treats them the same as he does with his small group of dedicated and indoctrinated YouTubers. Simply provide people used to provide his ego with the oxygen it so desperately needs. Oh, there's simply people used to provide his ego with the oxygen it so desperately needs. And in the investor's case, his wallet with the money he cherishes so very much. I mean... That's basically what's happening at this point. Yeah. If that's the, the only update we're going to see potentially this quarter uh, to the investors or to the people that pre-ordered this at this point two years ago was the first pre-order at this point. Two years ago was the first pre-order uh, on this. Um, it's not going to be a, a good year. And Sam Mikovic may be right that this could be you know the beginning of the end for it. <clears throat> um, I mean, I... Nothing should surprise me anymore, and if there's anything about the Amico that is true, it's that it manages to just keep fucking going endlessly. Sure. Um, I think anyone else, you know, would have been out of this a year ago. Uh, they're talking like they're moving forward. I, I honestly thought for a little while there things got dicey in December. I thought they would be wrapped up by uh, quarter one of this year. You think they'll be releasing quarter one? 
No, not releasing. All oh, the company be just rolling up. <laughs> be done. They'd be finished. So do you, do you have a, we like doing a percentages like I gave like a ten percent chance of coming out in October two thousand twenty. You gave it a fifty fifty chance at one point of coming out one of the dates. I, far I just, too no, generous. I I can't. I don't. I don't care anymore. I I don't know. I still think that he's gonna try to fucking shit in a box and send it out to someone. Someone's going to get something. Even if it's not like did it hasn't passed FCC certification, even if there's no back end. I think what we uh, might see happening is one of those handmade units getting loaded up with like the six launch games, the pack-in games or whatever. Basically loaded up like one of the demo units they take around to these fucking buildings. They ship those out. And sending it up. No infrastructure, no additional games, just the controller. It works and, in theory. And, and, and what's, here's what we got. Here's here's what we got. It's it's a glorified demo unit. Yeah, and you and they they ship out how many? Twenty six hundred founders. Yeah, they do that with. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. And, then, and I don't know that it's this year. I, I honestly, I think that's the thing. I, Tommy is reluctant to ever let this just be done. But they they have this is boring now to me because it just keeps going. It never ends. And I I, I, I well, at least with the chameleon, you had a fiery end to it. Yeah. Um, I could see him, you know, if the money's there, stretching this out for another fucking year. With I don't nothing. Think money, but, but I don't I think don't the think money's, money's there. there. I don't think thing. it is. If you have dozens of employees, you're paying you're paying uh, salaries. You're paying forty benefits. something employees, all of which he claimed were making over a hundred k a year. You're 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 paying lease uh, space in like Utah and in California. Yeah, to your vice president or whatever. Uh, well, in California. Yeah. So like, um, or oh, their CFO. CFO uh, Nick. So like, I, yeah, the money's going to run out. This portion of the CU Podcast is brought to you by Monk Pack. Monk Pack offers low-sugar, keto-friendly bars, which are plant-based, gluten-free, and non-GMO. They're the perfect snack for anyone who is trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. Monk Pack keto granola bars and nut and seed bars contain one gram of sugar or less, two to three grams of net carbs, and each bar contains 150 calories or less. Ian, they're all fantastic tasting. Uh, one of my favorites, though, is the sea salt dark chocolate. That's a good one. And you got the sweetness. You got the saltiness. It's a perfect combination. Look at the gooiness right there and there, how sweet that is. Yeah, it's, oh, no, they're, it's good. They're great. Monk Pack Bars have an amazing chewy texture and come in delicious flavors like sea salt dark chocolate, coconut cocoa chip, mm. caramel sea salt. There's a coconut almond one that I'm particularly big on, a honey nut granola oh, yeah. bar. They're perfect for a quick breakfast, a snack between work meetings, or as a guilt-free decadent dessert. By shopping online, you can avoid another trip to the grocery store and have Monk Pack delivered right to your door. These bars are not just for people eating keto. They're a great snack for anyone looking to reduce their sugar intake while still enjoying delicious, flavorful snacks. They contain real ingredients that are delicious and nutritious for your whole family. In addition to being keto-friendly, the bars are also gluten-free, plant-based and non-gmo there's no sugar alcohols soy or artificial colors i really like the allulose sugar that they use it's chewy it's like a caramel it's very tasty it's a natural sweetener monk pack is so confident in their product it's backed with a 100 happiness guarantee so if you don't like it for any reason they'll exchange the product or refund your money whichever you prefer get 20 percent off your first purchase of any monk pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code cu podcast at checkout to get started just go to monkpack.com that's m-u-n-k-p-a-c-k.com and select any product then enter the code cu podcast at checkout to save 20 percent off your purchase of these yummy bars uh ian patrick the video game years turns 10 years old turned 10 years old yesterday on youtube it was january 10th 2012 
1977, I think the first three parts were uploaded. It was like part one to my channel and like Rue's channel and the RetroWare YouTube channel. And then parts two and three were done at the same time to RetroWare site. And then part four came out. It was the beginning of the video game years. It actually premiered, premiered at MAGFest. The first part did in 2000. Uh, in 12 there at the panel I was at. And um, 10 years is a long time. Uh, looking back, a lot's happened in 10 years. I tweeted out yesterday. I don't know if you saw my tweet um, about the anniversary. Yeah. I basically said uh, the video game years documentary series it helped pave the way for the modern video game doc um and we could talk about maybe there was a bigger impact than we thought because at the time there wasn't a, a glut of video game documentaries you had king of kong you had like video game the movie um maybe one or two indie other game the movie indie game indie game the movie indie game the movie was there also like a video game the movie as well that came out that was like a sort of like a surface look at video games i don't know um, but there wasn't a lot of them. Like the, now, they come out every other month. Sure, you know, um, yeah. So, oh, video games. The movie came out 2014. So that was that was a couple years after. That was a 45 minute like short thing. So there wasn't that much. Uh, 2012 was still in the sort of era where retro gaming was still niche uh, to a, like a lot of people. It wasn't like ad- adopted uh, part and parcel by like, the larger game companies yet. Uh, to that extent, like it has been the past three, four, five, six years. And obviously, YouTube was a different time in 2012. It, it was closer to how it was originally versus now. You didn't have like a huge amount of the MCNs yet. You didn't have a lot of people at the time that were monetized in terms of even uploading sure. stuff. We weren't making money uploading video game years. You know, no, there was like no money in video game years um, at the time. It was just, it was a passion pro, uh, project. But at the time, I don't, I don't think we were too close to it. Me and you probably to realize what was being created, and it's probably better than what I thought it to be because because we were close to it. I don't know. You, what, you have thoughts looking back ten years? I, I mean, I I don't have a ton of thoughts on it. It, it was it was fun to do it. Um, it does seem to constantly keep getting brought up in modern times. Um, it seems like every once in a while, someone with, you know, some sort of following notices it and talks about it. And, you know, you hear about it and people remember working on it again. Um, that's where a lot, I met a lot of the people that I talk to online video game wise to this day. Um, you know, it's probably how I met, uh, Dan from Gigaboots, who I talk to, you know, fairly, fairly regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the editors, um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun to make. Um, you know, I, I, I wonder how much people think that it was, you know, really planned out and, uh, well, organized. It wasn't the first years. Definitely. were not, um, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> the seventies ones were not, they were, it was more like, okay, we have topics. We fell into a weird hole too, where we felt like because we covered, because it was a 45 minute long show and we could cover enough. We also oftentimes felt like we needed to cover too much. We did not cut things that we probably should have cut. Well, well, some some games made the cut, Ian, that were argued and lobbied for. We'll just say by the group of us that decided the topics each year, it was three of us. It was uh, Joey, uh, Rue from Clan of Grey Wolf, Ian, and myself. We'd sit down and we hashed out the topic list each year. 
that's what we did starting in the in the 80s is when we started doing that. and usually uh, it, it, it ended up being uh when there was an argument it was usually between joey and uh you and i would have to find the middle ground and is that what happened and, yeah I, I, I felt like i made a lot of decisions that <laughs> you, you were, two <laughs> were on uh, diametrically <laughs> opposed on was he more right than me or was it like 50 no i think it was about 50 50 that is one thing i remember like i wasn't always against you and i wasn't always against joey i felt like it really did come down like 50 50 there were sure. some things joey wanted to cover that were too esoteric and there were some things that i feel like you felt were way more important than they were and unfortunately i, I don't have a lot of examples in, in my, your head in my head right now but i i know that occurred but i think we i think we managed yeah we could path. all go back to those now yes. you joey and i could all go back to those lists now and probably yes. cut no, Mylon's Secret Castle. Mylon's Secret Castle should not a have made third, it. Right. Mylon's Secret Castle should not have made it. Bayou Billy should not have made it. A bunch of those have should not have made it. They were not historically significant or had a long running sort of run afterwards to be significant enough right. to make looking back. Looking back, especially the, like we're talking like only like the 87, 88, 89 episodes, they got bloated out with stuff or like we didn't need to talk about Wizards and Warriors. We didn't need to talk about even though we love Goonies too. We didn't talk about Goonies too. You know, things some games like that. Could I, have been I would I would argue something like Goonies because it was related to Goonies and at the time we were we were aping a you know, a, a pop culture clip show. I felt like something like the Goonies fit. I feel like Wizards and Warriors had three games. It was a huge franchise at the time. The people that should have been targeted by it at the time probably would have been like, yeah, I remember Wizards and Warriors. It makes sense. It was sure, maybe, yes. Looking at it now in a modern era yeah. as something that people go to to learn about some stuff. No. Well, that that changes it entirely. Yeah. Because right. now we're not just talking about memories. We're talking about – that's the difference. You look at it like a clip show, and a lot of that stuff can stay. If you want to look at video game years as some sort of educational primer, then, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't need to be there. I guess we try to straddle the line because there's some stuff you looked at. Like, why did you talk about Earl Weaver's baseball, for example? It was a very important game in the history of games, but no one obviously talks about Earl Weaver's baseball today. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, it, was like, it was the baseball version of, like, John Madden. Football. So I, I, baseball. I like, think like, a lot of how people look at what video game years is has changed over time. Back then, a lot of those made more sense. Now, not so much. A lot happens in 10 years. Well, it, it was 2012 to, I think the last, I think 89 came out early 2015. So it was like three years to do all 13 episodes. I think that's about what it was yeah. in terms of release dates uh, there. Um, it was also... You know, it, it was a combination of all these people. At one point, I, I, obviously, people dropped off. Certain YouTubers dropped off. Some came on. We solidified. There was always the the base of video games was always Pixel Dan, good old uh, Eric Lap, Ian, me, John, Lance. and Lance. Yep. That was the core that appeared in every single episode. And Joey. And Joey. And Joey. Joey, no, Joey missed one year. But for the most part, he was in all of them. Um, I think Joey missed one year or parts of one year, but that was the core, say, seven people that uh, kept the show alive uh, in terms of like making sure we had enough commenting on the topics every time, making sure that we could sustain it because people would drop off. People would just say, I want to talk about these popular games and that's it. And it's like, that's great. But like everyone wants to talk about the popular games. Yeah. I, Eric was so good. Eric Eric was a trooper for that. And Dan, uh, everyone. Um we were we were only not in two segments. Yeah. Somehow we didn't talk about Donkey Kong Jr., which I thought was weird. It was one of my all time favorite arcade games. Yeah, I love Donkey Kong Jr. I think we were just at the time we're like, okay, we don't need to talk about that. And we didn't talk about the video games magazine one. That was the other segment we didn't talk about. I think we we're both the same year. Both were eighty two. Hmm. 
other than that, though, we were in every single segment. I think me and Ian had the distinction of being in, like the most amount of segments. We would go into my my old uh, room at the, at the condo at the, the game room where we used to record the podcast. Set up the green screen. Try to get the fucking lighting right because even ten years ago, the green screen like the like the editing software has come a long way. You can get way with a lot more sure. now than you used to. So the lighting was always was always an issue. The spacing was always tough. This, yep. That game room was a third of the size of this room, if not a quarter of the size. Oh, yeah. No, it was small. It was tiny. I would always get pissed at how small it was. You would always see me rage out how small it fucking was, especially when I had the big main machine in the corner. I'm like, there's no, like, there's no room in here. I, was, I get so pissed. Yeah, that main machine took up a lot of space. Yeah. Um, and we had we had fun shooting that. No, it was a good time. At one point, it was like we shot him like once. I don't think I ever had a bad time shooting that. Like once a month or two months. And and most of what we shot was uh, off the cuff. I think a couple things we planned jokes for the most part. It was all off the cuff stuff. And we just we just rolled with it. it a was, lot of it was off. The, it was info off the top of my head, too. I mean, some of those I would check articles. I would, you know, check Wikipedia, then check those sources and stuff like that. But a lot of it was just... I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of that stuff. I, I don't know that I could do as much of it off the top of my head now as I did then. I was just so much more uh, for the information or enveloped like the, within the information. Yeah. Okay. Um, and remember, people don't. Uh, maybe they don't. That was before before the podcast. That was we started filming those in uh, the fall of 2011. Oh, yeah. Um, so people just knew Ian from the marathon. One or two marathons I saw of Ian and from the, the NES Punk videos, the couple he was in. People always ask where the gaming gadfly joke came from, and it was only supposed to be in there once, but uh, John kept J- it. In. John kept it, but it was just a reference to Mo Rocca, who I always thought was really funny. Who um, it was on the I Love the Eighties uh, on the I Love the Eighties, yeah, Seventies, Eighties, Nineties, and uh, was listed as I think uh, media gadfly or something like that. Yeah, so so that's but then but then obviously the podcast started more people knew Ian. And that's when we probably filmed. We probably filmed the final episodes. I think it was yeah, thirteen and fourteen is when we filmed the final ones. We probably filmed eighty nine sometime in I guess early t- or the mid two thousand fourteen. Then the editing process was a uh, was a was a wreck to try to manage with John and me uh, between all the editors, just because you have all these different editors trying to piece you're trying to piece together something cohesive between multiple editors that are all underpaid. It, it, it doing it as a passion project and to try to mold something that looks like one piece of entertainment we tried um so if you don't know the process what happened was this once you got to the 80s once i got more involved in production uh so the three of us uh joey and me would, would choose the topics we send out the topic list to all the people uh to, to to shoot them and then it's hoping you get it back in time there was always people editors pissed at some contributors that didn't get back their stuff in time it delayed things it was always oh god that facebook group was awful uh, with all of us in there, there was so much back and forth and people getting upset about things. Um, so what happened was you get the, the edits in. I looked through. I I was responsible for all the content you see on every show from 82 to 89. I would see the edit. I would see, okay, here's the content edit. I would I worked with the editors on every single one of those. They say, okay, this information is missing or we need something about this. Go back and find it or insert it here. Trim out this. Uh, then you get you lock that in. Then John handled the the B roll, the green screen, all the other. You know what I mean? Like putting in the effects to make it look finished. That's that's how the process worked uh, on the show from eighty two to eighty nine, eighty two definitely by eighty three, eighty nine. That's basically how it happened. And then hopefully it gets edited and hopefully it comes out and people like it. But it was before its time. Um, we we um, John pitched it to History Channel. 
he had him actually because he had contacts there because he used to work mm -hmm. in the cable TV sort of area. And they said the time, which looking back, it's like screw you because now it's what the stuff you know, stuff you'd put on TV with all this. They said this is not for our audience; it's for our audience's younger brother. That's what they told him, mm. like ten years ago, ten nine years, whenever it was pitched to them. And it's like now you have Crackle with their documentary. Netflix has, you know, you got the playing with power crackle thing. Netflix has their, was it high score documentary? Mm -hmm. You have the Nintendo, you have all these documentaries come out all the time. And it's like, maybe, maybe we were, yeah, maybe it was too soon. Maybe, maybe looking back, if you know the knowledge now, you would have done it a little more formal, not do talking heads, but there was nothing else to compare it against. Right. There was nothing else out there. No one cared. That's the thing. No one cared enough to do try to at least try to document the history in that way. That's probably why we did it. Right? I mean Yeah. No, that's exactly there wasn't anything else like it. And eventually found the audience on Amazon Prime. It was, there was an audience on on YouTube, but not to justify. I remember one YouTuber said this is the best show on YouTube that no one's watching. You know, like sure. someone said that. And it's like, yeah. You're talking 2012 YouTube. Like you're talking like you didn't do TV quality shit back then or close to T no. closer to TV quality. It just didn't happen. Because it, it's too many yeah, people. Yeah, it was probably I mean, one of the most produced shows on YouTube at the time. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Especially once you get to the 80s. Yeah, like, the, there's great there's great transitions and stuff. In transitions, the but even like the flow of the show and things like that. Uh, I, I love I love Ian's popular pinball machine segment. Oh, that was fun to do. I always loved that because I always try to make him laugh. A lot of times when you see those, it's Ian like snickering mm -hmm. at the end of it because I'm like, I've like made him laugh or try to make him laugh and things like that. And there's a lot of good memories, and it brought a lot of us together. And a lot of people, I think, have commented, like, I, this is how I discovered a lot of you doing these videos. Oh, sure. I know a lot of people who found me first on that. Yeah, because you have all these different people uh, doing the show that weren't normally connected. And some of them weren't even on, on RetroWare, um, and they still were on the show. And obviously, we had people that actually made the games. We had Keith Robinson uh, you know, on the show. We had uh, We had... Uh, Howard Phillips, and we we try to work in as best we can. We had Tommy Tallarico on the show to give his perspective. We had we try to work in uh, some people here and there. We did our best. Besides big big YouTubers, you know, besides people like Eagle Raptor, Aaron Hansen, we we try to work in people to the show. I don't know anything about him. And I, oh, I, no. I feel don't, don't have his fan base come after us. I, I, I mean, it's not, but I mean, he did not want to. Be, how should I? I'll word this. He did not want to be on that show. You think so? I. Why do you say yes to me then? I don't know. I recruited him at MAGFest. I, I roped him in. I think he wanted to. Eat. It was fun. <clears throat> <laughs> I don't know anything about it. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm just saying it, yeah, he, he didn't say much. <laughs> I a lot know, of he, noises. He, say, he said a good amount of stuff. It was okay. funny. All right. Well, you, you weren't in the room when I was interviewing him. I interviewed him. I'm talking about uh, what ended up uh, on like, felt oh, okay. like... It felt like starring Aaron Hansen to star Aaron Hansen. Like... I I I I, hey, I knew Aaron bef before like the game grumps thing before like he, he was always a good guy at Magfest talked to me and Joey. Oh yeah, this is not stuff. a personal. Yeah, it's not a personal attack. I was like I was like Aaron, you want to be? He's like yeah, I'll do it. And he came upstairs and he did it. Uh, yeah, I interviewed, I interviewed him. I interviewed Howard Phillips. I interviewed James Rolfe. I interviewed Mike Matei for the show. Uh, I interviewed uh, good old Pro Jared. I think I did his interview. Oof. Um, I did. A chunk of those, and then John. What a pro! John did. Uh, he interviewed Keith Robinson. I was not in the room for the Tommy Talrico interview. I just met him briefly, and, uh, and then uh, God, David Crane. Uh, mm -hmm. John interviewed him. He interviewed the other luminaries. Uh, 
The only luminary I did, I, I interviewed was Howard Phillips. That was a weird experience with me and John there trying to do it. He was there as well. He asked a weird question. I remember, and I was just like, that's, that's, I looked at him like, what is that question you just asked? But I, lo- I love working with John because uh, we come from two different sort of sides uh, uh, looking at these sort of things. And um, oh, it was a good, uh, good, good co-directing partner, John. It was, it was John's idea for the show. I just named it. Uh, it was John's idea. In terms of the name, it was like, uh, well, we got the Wonder Years. How about video game years? And like, well, that's not the best name. We'll see if we come up with a better name. And we couldn't we, come we up with it. We never did. There was no other name. Like, that was it. That was it. Which I guess makes made sense. Because we didn't, we, wanted, we wanted to say, like, I love video games. We didn't want to do that because it was too close to a I love A little too. Yeah. But we, video game years was like the, was like the, the worst case scenario. <laughs> so, all right. Well, people, people wanted a 90s announcement. It's like, well. It's, it costs too much money. This show should not have been made. That's the bottom line. Looking back, this show should not have been made for the fact that like people were not paid en- enough for their work. Uh, John and I were not paid to produce it. Ian wasn't paid. Anything. Joey wasn't paid. You know, it, it should not have been made. Also, I honestly, it, for, despite the fact that people like it, I think those people uh, also probably have a larger nostalgia for clip shows and stuff than they realize. I don't think that f- that format wouldn't work today. It would be, it would be, it would, it would not, it would have to be tinkered with. If we went back to it, it would have to be tinkered. Yes, it would have to be more how the modern docs are, where you talk to people, but then you go off and show footage of stuff. Yes, and you come back to like we could not do show. another Talking Heads show. Not, not that heavily focused like the vh1 side now it, w- it would not work but here's the 10 years video game years uh here's the 10 years uh ho- hopefully hopefully we hopefully we educated some people while made them laugh ian right hopefully ian we got a patreon patreon.com slash cu podcast you go money writings podcasts <laughs> money is money at the patreon is- uh yeah. <laughs> what you pay some money you get some writings you get hangouts you get podcasts uh full Video podcast and bonus one, bonus podcast, bonus, bonus. In second place, hardest NES boss fights, thirty six percent. I thought that would win. In first place, retro gaming items you passed on that you regret. Maybe we can work in ones that maybe you let go as well. If Ian has trouble thinking of them, yeah, you've got a lot. So start with you. Oh, hey, sometimes I carry, sometimes you carry. You carry in this one. Okay, Um, retro gaming items that I passed on, I regret. I've talked about a few before, and I'll, I'll come back and I'll lead with them. So um, my cousin's neighbor had the APF Imagination Machine. So technically that's a computer with the APF MP1000 console built in that you could have learned about watching the video game years 1978, I think. <laughs> um, so that is an extremely rare computer. I don't know if they made more than like 5,000 of those things. I don't know if they made more than 1,000. All I know is this. So my cousin goes, yeah, my, my, my neighbor got this. You can have it, you know, because this is like 2004. You know, this is like no one cares about this shit for the most part back then. Right. Um, it was it's still like the original like cardboard shipping box, just regular cardboard shipping box. It wasn't like a colored graphic box. Had the printer, had the, uh, the imagination machine module. Um, I think it had the keyboard. Uh, yeah, keyboards built into yeah, it. Yeah, keyboards built in. Yeah, I'm not looking at it. Um, try to... But then it had all the software, had all the cartridge software with the folders that came in. There was like folders. 
because it had a tape uh, tape deck. Right. Uh, how like the like the colorful was like oh this is like spelling Ian this is math or this is finance like it had all the the because uh, because the game console was carts, uh, but the programs were 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 cart uh, were cassettes on it. So I had a lot. I had a, like probably this person Ian probably bought. I want one of everything. And yeah, there was like twelve of them that were there. Had the basic uh, I think basic learning. I think that was a cartridge. Had that. Um, it was all there and it was in great condition. They 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 probably used it for a year and then never looked at it again and stored it away. Um, too too advanced. I don't know because like that it was such a weird machine. Like why do you need like the game console built in with that? It used the cassettes thing, which never really took off in the U.S. It took off more overseas because you have to because you have to you have to wait for the thing to load. It could take five, ten, fifteen, twenty minutes for a program to load. Right. That's insane. Yeah. Or more. Right. I never I never had one. I never had anything with a cassette. I just had an IBM compatible. With with uh, five and a halfs on there, um, or five and a quarters, I should say. So this thing is hard to find. I see it come up for sale maybe once or twice a year. If you click on sold listings at eBay, will you even find one on there? I don't know. Um, no, uh, I, no. I, I clicked on sold. I don't see anything right now. I see I'm trying to sell the two hundred dollars for the uh, the sorry, excuse me, not basic the uh, imagination machine interpreter operating cartridge, whatever language they used. So I don't think it was even it was even basic. Um, so so the APF MP1000 uh, console is difficult to find. Ian, has, has one of the, the consoles ever been traded into Luna? No, no, I don't think I've ever seen an APF come in. So that's so think about how rare that is versus this. Like so, we've even I even saw an Astro kid, two Astro kids I think oh, came yeah. through Luna, but uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever saw an APF. So so what ended up happening was this thing was a big bulk in a box. I'm like, what am I going to do with this, Ian? So I, I put it on eBay. I, I gave my cousin, you know, basically, you know, whatever, a 20% for, you know, for giving it to me, like finally. Yeah. It ended up selling, I believe, to Germany. So I think it ended up in like a museum or, or like that's how rare it was. Like, but it didn't sell for a huge amount. I think it went for like $350, $400, which was still was shocking at the time that someone was interested in it. Right. Like who the hell wants this thing? Who, there's no nostalgia for this. So that went and that was gone. And looking back, I'm like, wow, I should have kept that. That would have been one of the rarest things I would have owned. I still I have an APF, APF MP1000 in the box, and that's incredibly hard to find in the box. I got one of those. I got that, I got that off of like Shop Goodwill. The box is in great shape. I think I showed it to you once. Mm-hmm. But I I will never come across an imagination machine in the wild. Like that's no, that's so just hard. not something you're ever going to find. That's like it's like it was a small like almost mom and pop business, you know, making these, shipping them out wherever they were located. I don't know if they were in the Midwest. I'm not looking up APF right now. But um, yeah, that was like their that was like their last uh, huzzah APF because they they had done the line of Pong clones in the seventies, and the, that basically probably put them under. That and that was it, right? I think that was it. Yeah, for APF uh, with that. So that was that was a big one. Uh, another a smaller one was I, I brought this up on the, on, the, on the before one of the worst swap me things ever is that I saw the NEC CD unit by itself, literally the black CD cube that you put on to to the CD unit, the black unit. I saw it on the ground at the swap meet. This is like 2011 or 10. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I said, NEC did a did a CD, like a like a music player. I had no idea. And then then I like I found I go home. I'm like, no, they didn't, idiot. They just did the turbo graphics. So somehow the person just had the black square unit without the rest of it that you that you put it on. I'm like looking back. I'm like, what the f-? like? Why did I pass that up? Even if it was broken. 
you, just to see that. And I remember going back and I couldn't find it. And I tried, uh, and I went back the next week and I couldn't find it either. So someone might have bought that a realizer or bought it as a CD player because it works as a CD player. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, this little guy, this little guy right here. Yeah, this is a unit that snaps on the, the back end of the other thing. That's it. That's all. Never see those. Just lying around. Yeah, it was just lying on the ground. No, that's very strange. So what was so you wouldn't think about it? He's like, why is that there by itself? There's no turbo stuff around it. I'm like, why is it? Right. So I passed on that. The third one irks me the most, and not because of the person I let have. Okay. I have to, I have to preface that. So um, I this was the very first PRG I went to, Portland one, 2011, the one they used to do at, at the hotel uh, with the great cookies, the Doubletree. They used to do it at underneath the parking oh, garage. Oh, God. It was 100 degrees that weekend underneath the parking garage. We were sweltering. There, Ian was not at that one. No, I was not. I heard it was very, very, uh, uh, very hot, very warm. Before this, this was before, and before in October as well. Um, this is before it blew up. Like it blew up, in, I think two years afterwards, it really blew up. Um, so I was there next to uh, my pal uh, Dane Anderson, who ran Antenna Wage, and we we're at a table, and um, I see three ninjas kicks back for Super Nintendo, which is a hard to find game. This had the box. There, this had the box. Um, at the time, the Super NES games weren't like ridiculously expensive as they are now, but that game, probably Three Ninjas at the time, probably the cart was only like ten dollars, five to ten dollars. Probably with the box, it was probably like a twenty to thirty dollar game. Now, that game is goes for a, a lot, seen amount. Uh, what does it even go for if I search it right now? The cart goes for a hundred over a hundred bucks on its own. With the box, you can't even find one. I remember it didn't have the manual though. So I remember I picked it up and was gonna buy it because I knew it was hard to find. It was like it was only like ten dollars with the box there. Like they weren't asking like a premium even with that. And Dane was like, Hey Pat, you know, he's like, Oh, you know, I'm really I really want the box because he's going for he he Dane at his peak had a complete in box NES, Game Boy. Super, I think, N64. He was going for complete in box and everything. So I let him get it. I said, okay, Dane, you're a good guy. I'll let you have it here. Um, by the way, I can't even find a sold one in the box. The manual goes for $250 on its own. So it's probably a $1,000 game at this point. Jesus H. So that doesn't bother me. I love Dane. The fact, though, that that game ended up in the fucking hands of, of this uh, Jeff Meyer, who ended up buying Nintendo Age, oh. in, his fucking, in one of the fucking uh heritage auction wada cabal members that's what annoys me looking back yeah. you, you don't know what the person's going to do with something but obviously had i known that knowing that something i passed up on and ended in that that person that hand, douchebag's hands that annoys me sure that annoys me if they still had it i wouldn't care that it's worth a thousand dollars now you know you don't know the price of things going up and down. you don't know what's gonna happen in 10 years 12 years right you don't know what's gonna happen uh, with that stuff so those are the three big ones. What about you? Even anything you regret not even passing up on that, you like let go that you're like, that was a bad idea. You know, there's not a lot, although I do regret, uh, I feel like I've said it on here before. I do regret not buying any of the copies of um, Panzer Dragoon Saga that came into uh, Luna. Okay, because you'll come in every now and then. I mean, you tell yeah, we had like three or four copies come in probably during my time, and you know they were always priced about what they were going for. But I remember one time, Treg slapped a six hundred and fifty dollar price tag on it when he could have 
easily gotten seven fifty for it. Like ten years ago? Well, uh, not even ten years ago. Um, <clears throat> although longer ago than I'm probably thinking in my head. And um, I remember thinking in my head, this is like this is still too expensive for me, but this is. Um, this is like my best opportunity to get it. You always had wanted it. Well, I I, I want to get it for Vani because oh, she's okay. the Saturn collector. Um, so I've always wanted to get it for her, and I just I passed on it. I knew it was a good deal at the time. I didn't have the money, and now that it's over, you know, well over a thousand, you know, I feel Holy like Holy shit, is it? Oh yeah, it's well over a thousand. Now that it's well over a thousand, I feel like you know my time has really kind of passed on on picking it up. Oh but, my god. It, I remember it was like at seven hundred dollars for a long time. Yeah, and now, yeah, you're right. Um, I'm looking at the sales on price charting: a thousand, a thousand, eleven hundred, twelve hundred. It looked like, yeah, oh, from December, twelve fifty, thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred, fourteen hundred. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So expensive stuff that I don't, I don't have the money for right now. <laughs> I got mine from good old Nintendo. No, I didn't get mine from Nintendo. Damn, I got from. Oh. Where I get mine from? Uh, it'll come back to me. Forgotten freshness. I got it from. Forgotten oh, freshness. nice. Uh, it was uh, books and, and cash trade. <laughs> That's what it was. Not way to do it. Uh, freshness. That's where I got it from. No, they're not going to get that one from Nintendo. Dan didn't have that one. I remember that. I, I got a bunch of other Saturn stuff. I didn't, I didn't get that one. Uh, so that's one that escaped you. Anything else from the store that came in that you're like, you know, looking back, you should have went for maybe. So it's interesting. it's weird. I'm, I'm not too beat up over it, but I I do wish I had grabbed a Vectrex as well while they were reasonably priced. When they were like only like a hundred dollars, eighty bucks. I remember seeing uh, a couple of loose Vectrexes in at Luna for like a hundred and twenty. 150. I think we had a box complete one in there that only went for 250 at one point in time. God, what do those go for now? I don't know. But again, it's one of those things where even if they were roughly that price, I'm probably not going to go out of my way to get it. But there was something about the convenience of working at Luna that made some of these pickups easier. And I wish I had gotten some of them when I did. But it's, it's I had those two extras at one point. I, I used to buy a ton of stuff and I'm still living in an apartment where I bought, you know, too much stuff and I've slowly been getting rid of it. I'm kind of I'm well beyond I some sometime within the past four or five years, I've really learned to just not buy. Yes. Shit. And, uh, you know, because of that, I'm never going to go out and buy, you know, it's unlikely that I'm ever going to get a Vectrex. However, if I'm still working at Luna. I, you know, I would have liked oh. to have gotten one of those, you know, well, maybe even Pat has his mental breakdown. Yeah. You can, you can pick out a Vectrex. I got, I got the one complete in box. Pick out a Vectrex well, I got the loose it. one somewhere. And I have the complete in box one. Yeah. And the box is perfect. It doesn't match the serial, though, of, of the concept. Uh, but the box I have, I forgot where I bought the. I mean, it's like, I hate saying the word minty, but like, it's like they opened it up and somehow had the box stay perfectly after that. And I, have, and I have all the inserts and all that crap, but it's not the matched one. They had a serial number on the outside for whatever reason. But uh, no, Vectrus is a weird one. It's a console that shouldn't cost that much, but I think that's so kitschy and cute that that's why people are after it. Yep. No, that's exactly. No, it used yeah. to be used to be seventy five, eighty bucks for one, hundred bucks maybe for a Vectrex, and now it's hundreds of dollars just to get a Vectrex without games. Yep, that's that's insane uh, for that. All right, well, you know, we're probably gonna have regrets of stuff we sell. Well, at least when I sell a, a bunch of stuff, I'm gonna be like, oh, I regret selling my, I don't know, my Sega Scope 3D box. <laughs> I'm not gonna regret that. I'm not selling the Master System too. That's the one I had when I was no. A kid. Oh no, with dumbass Alex Kid on. The oh cover. yeah. 
No, that's that's hard. Actually, hard to find too. You you don't, you don't find those easily. So that's the one I definitely would, would hold on to. So, all right. Well, thanks for the thanks for voting on the Patreon poll. Patreon.com slash the podcast. Yeah. All right, we got voicemails, Ian. We do. Got some voicemails. Uh, go to anchor.fm slash the CU podcast. Try to leave us something short and sweet. You can tell 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 us you love us if you want, but you don't have to. It's not required. All right, here's the first one. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. This is Chris Taliaferro calling from beautiful Maple Shade, New Jersey. Uh, just a quick question. Uh, growing up, did you guys ever have any toys or games or anything that were considered quote-unquote girls toys or girls games that you actually enjoyed um i had dream phone and i specifically <laughs> liked that game and i had mall madness uh i i got them as hand-me-downs from my sister and they were both great games thanks well, I don't have experience with Dreamphone. Mall Madness was awesome. Uh, uh, I used to love playing Dreamphone. I never owned it, but I played it with my cousin all the time. It's essentially Clue with a fucking phone. Like, it was figure fun. Out, figure out what boy likes yeah, it. Yeah, it, 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 it was fun as hell. Uh, I loved it. Uh, Mall Madness was great because the setup was great. It was two-tiered. You walked around. Uh, uh, the girl Jackie down the street had it, so she brought it out. That was an expensive game, too, I think, at the time. Because it had the electronics in it. Yeah. Sale at the at the clothes store or whatever. Mm-hmm. You want. And I can't even remember how to play. I just remember looking at the game like, this is a cool board game. Boy, that was the golden age of board games. That late 80s sort of period. Yeah. Mid to late 80s. All those like deluxe board games that cost more than like video games. Some of them at the time. Uh-huh. Like, that was a good time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, with that. Uh, other girls toys. I I did play with my, my sister's Barbies a little bit. I think what I liked about them was, was the fact that things you can take on and off. She had a Welcome Back Cotter doll. Mr. Cotter, not a Ken doll. Mm. With, with, with the fuzzy afro uh, on that. But the thing I like the most, my sister had a knockoff. There was a lot, I guess, Barbie knockoff. She had a boat. A boat that had like an inflatable, it had like an inflatable like outside to it or like a, like the outside of the boat. So I think it actually could float. It was not it was not Mattel. I know that. But there was like a little ladder and stuff. So it must have been at like, you know, you go to like drug fair and maybe they had the knockoff. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah, yeah. Because my, my sister did not get Barbie a lot of Barbie toys. I guess they, they, my parents couldn't afford them. She did not have like like the Ferrari or like the stuff like that. But she did have this boat that I liked. It, was, it just seemed cool when you're like four years old. Like, oh, this is a cool boat. Anyway, didn't try to put it on, on, on water though. I never I never did anything destructive with toys. I never like destroyed my my GI Joes or Star Wars. You hear about your you know kids like oh yeah I used to do firecrackers with my GI Joes. Like what the fuck's wrong with you? What are you doing abusing your toys for? What the fuck? You must be privileged enough that you can destroy your toy. I could. My father. God, I don't want to say what my father do if I destroyed my toys. <laughs> I wouldn't be here, potentially. All right, next one. Here. Hey, fellas. My name is Taylor. Big fan of the show. I Taylor. was wondering, if I started a neighborhood street hockey slash kickball league, nice. would you guys want to be the captains? You can pick five of your favorite video game characters <laughs> from all time to be on your teams. But watch out. Once they're on one team, they can't be on the other team. Uh-oh, Ian. Who's on your... Uh, how many people on a kickball team? Like five or six? Five is what he said. I'm five. gonna do Kiryu Kazuma from uh, from Yakuza. I'm gonna do uh, I don't know Aerith from Final Fantasy VII. Seems like she'd be fun to play kickball with. Okay. Uh, Kirby. I could see some some uh, deception there because uh, he's small and ball like. Little little toes. Little small, feetsies. Small and ball like. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, obviously, because he can run fast. 
and uh, Princess Peach because she's cute. Okay, you, you got okay. Bonk, Luigi, Danny Sullivan, um, the, the person in Dusty Diamond's All Star software that can fly around with the wings. Uh, the the devil character. He can, he can snag those fly fly balls, those fly kick balls. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I don't know my my uh, Disco Inferno Fire Pro custom. There you go. <laughs> Disco plays a mean kickball. Hey guys, uh, JF here. I'm uh, just wondering, what is your favorite point and click game? Uh, like adventure game? I always love the Leisure Suit Larry games and the King's Quest games. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. Well, you're close. Uh, Space Quest is my all-time favorite series of point-and-clicks. Uh, Sam and Max at the Road is probably my favorite of the point-and-clicks. I, I love all sorts of point-and-clicks, but That's a good I, one. I can go back to that one time and time again. I couldn't figure that one out when I first got it. I got that I got that at I, remember, I got that at Sam's Club. There is it one was, spot in that game that I always get stuck at, and uh, I always usually have to look it up. That was in the LucasArts Archive, Volume 1 with Day the Tentacle, the Rebel Assault demo, Dark Forces demo, and a, and a couple others. It was That's how I got it. I think I still, I think I have that today, but not the original one. Hey, Pat and Ian, Sean from Youngstown, Ohio. Just nice. curious, why do you think that so many of these retro consoles that are being made in 2021 and so on, why are they such failures? Uh, be, be, because there's no reason for them to exist. I mean, that's what it goes. They don't, they don't provide anything of value versus what's already on the market. There's no reason for them to exist, even at their best. They would like even if the the Amico, for instance, had come out and was absolutely what it had said it was when when he was just spitting words up on that stage in in 2018. It it still doesn't really have a means to exist because a lot of those games are going to be released on collections elsewhere or on other systems. Um, the other thing is is people don't even get that far. People see money. They they see money and they think it's going to be easy. They make sure. the stupid assumption that this is going to be easy and it's going to be a way to get their name out there and get some notoriety and they don't even they don't even do the bare minimum, I don't think. Well, because there have been some cash-ins that have worked. Sure. Stuff like that Dreamcade bullshit or the yeah. Retro Engine Sigma. Some actually do make some money and people end up with shit products. Hey, guys, did you ever think that an old NES noise kind of sounded like spoken words. I'll give you an example. Yeah. So I always kind of thought this sounded like, I'd like to make an announcement. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay, I wouldn't go that far on that interpretation, but the, the, the NES certainly has the sound effects, especially the stuff like the Konami games, what it sort of sound like, definitely had a certain yes. distinct sound to them. Yeah. Which is always interesting. Even like the track and field games with the jump sound, like the when you jumped up and like the oh yeah, yeah uh-huh. like yeah, it's brilliant. Hi guys, uh, Jordan from uh, Kansas here. Hey, I have a question about uh, the Tommy Tallarico imposter, imposter. Uh, impersonator. Uh, he's a really funny dude. Does he have like a YouTube or podcast or something? I would like to see if he has like more things available and kind of support him. Thanks, guys. I don't know. Talk about it. it's an imposter. We, 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 Tommy Tommy calls in all the time. We, we just have about? one time. Yeah, just a Tommy. Just a Tommy. We, 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 we the one impersonator. The one. Yeah, yeah there was yeah, the, the one. Yeah. Ian, Pat, what's going on? It is Jonathan in Denver again. <laughs> uh, Pat, you said you did college radio. So did I. Imagine that. Um, I loved it. One time, I got in trouble because we beer bonged um, two gallons of 
hot and spicy V8 each on the air and threw oh. up. Oh, got in trouble for that. But I want to hear your crazy stories, man. Tell me your favorite college radio story. You did some real shock jock shit at your radio uh, station. <laughs> I, call it, I I couldn't get away with that stuff. I mean, I I walked the line. Now we're talking like I'm not saying it would get me canceled today. This is stuff in like ninety nine, two thousand. That I wouldn't do today. But we, I did do something that got me in trouble with my friend in terms of advertising the show. We did we did print up in Xerox uh, a bunch of things with a bikini girl on them with uh you know listen to the radio show and then um it wasn't horrible what we said but we plastered these things i mean everywhere over over the um the student center on on the locked doors to like a lot of the campus things so we heard about that when that happens mm. we heard about that you know you're young and you're young and 19 20 full of piss and vinegar i got a radio show and it was not, yeah, looking back, that was stupid. I did a lot of stupid things in college. I don't talk about my college experiences that much, but I did a lot of things I, I, I somewhat regret. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Miles from Pittsburgh. Uh, Pat, you talked in the last episode about how ha- having a podcast is like uh, being in a band. Have either of you guys been in a band? Have you played any instruments? Uh, what were the bands like if you were? Uh, and if you were to be in a band in the future, uh, what would you play? Well, I'm not going to be in a band in the future, so I can't go there. But, Ian, were you in a band? I was. And oh. I saw pictures of the one and only show we played when I was back home. We went through family photos. Uh, what was the name? The Sneaky Snails? What was the name uh, of your band? Uh, it was a punk band. I was in eighth grade. It was, uh, no, eighth freshman year. Uh, Chronic Panic was the name of the band. I did Chronic not, Panic? I did not name it. Uh, I played bass miserably. You weren't that good? Oh, did, you do, did you do any performances at a school function? Or like I said a, there was one show. It one. was at a Club KC, a local shithole bar in Buffalo. You did that when you were like 14? 14. How'd it go over? Uh, people slammed into each other. Okay. You know, what, what could have been, right? Yeah. What could have been? I'll do a few more. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. Jeff Dickinson here, Dallas, Texas. Now, I just got to watch an 8-bit Christmas. Now, I was remembering as a kid, I really wanted at ColecoVision. I had to work my butt off for it. What gaming console did you have to work hard for to get as a kid? I'm enjoying the podcast. Keep up the killer work. Layers, guys. I've always told a story about the Super Nintendo that I sell my Christmas presents for in order to get. Um, so I can't go over that again. But that's not really working uh, hard for Ian, did you work hard? Uh, yeah. Uh, we're talking the, I've, I've talked about it before on here. But the Sega Genesis was the first. Uh, Sega Genesis and Game Boy were two systems that my brother and I both bought by raking leaves for our landlord uh, in the fall. And um, uh, it was Buffalo, so there were a lot of leaves. We did the front and back of two two duplex buildings, and we did it three times each fall for each one. So, yeah, it was a lot of work, but that's how we ended up getting a lot of game consoles. Because after the NES, my parents seemed kind of uninterested in buying any further ones. We got our one console. That's good. We got DuckTales. That's all you need. Hey guys, this is Alex calling from Oslo, Norway. Um, Pat, I can confirm that you're correct. The McDonald's in Norway is indeed different, both in menu and food quality. So sorry, Ian. Uh, My question is for Pat. I'm wondering if you might want to branch out in your book writing and maybe do some investigative journalism once all this stuff with the Amico is said and done. Uh, I think it could be an interesting read and uh, kind of a cool way to branch out in your writing. Uh, thanks so much, guys. Love the show. Keep it up. What, what, is, what, is, what investigative journalism? Like, I go like do sneaky meetings and like and like parking garages and yeah. Uh, here's the thing. 
about the certain guidebooks. They're they're nonfiction. I don't like writing nonfiction versus I like writing fiction. I like writing narrative fictions. That's one of the only reasons why, you know, like not the only reason why, but like the NES Punk videos have like a narrative side to them because I that I like writing that stuff. Uh, you know, I've written a couple of screenplays before. Um, so, yeah, I don't know about investigative journalism. I, I may be fascinating. I just don't know if that's if that's if that's for me. You think I should do that, Ian? Yeah, why not? What, what should I investigate? The Amico. I think that's what he was getting. Oh, at. oh, we, we're we're doing it as we're talking. It's it's documented. Yes, put it in book form. I think he wants a book. Wants a someone will write. I guarantee you, someone will write a book, or there will be a documentary made, or both. I'm sure it'll happen at some point. Can I do one more? Check in on someone? Sure. Hey, guys. Oops. Uh, I mean, good evening. How are you? (laughs) Charlie from Bavaria calling. I am definitely a Bavarian person. This is exactly how all Bavarian people talk. I just wanted to call in and let you know that we are all very happy about our Bavarian tax money going to be in television, Amico, instead of something stupid and boring like science. Am I right? Come on. Get out of here. Who cares? We need in television. We need it now. By the way, Pat, I heard you finally got the chance to play Dolphin Quest. Isn't it fantastic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you something. I predict 2022 Game of the Year. Yeah, I'm calling it. I'm calling it now. You heard it here first. Bill, uh, uh, I mean, uh, boom. All right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, we heard it um, straight from the mouth of a Bavarian. A Bavarian. That sounded like Arnold Schwarzenegger That's at right. some points. Uh, there. All right. So, Dolphin, D- D- Dolphin Quest, mm-hmm. a game of the year, uh, 2022. Play it now. Yes. <laughs> get to, get to the Amico. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a fun podcast. That was good. You did it right. Now it's time to go home. Glad you like your jelly. Yeah, I love my jelly. I was like, I think you know like this. I didn't know you have such a kinship with jalapeno jelly. It's delicious. If you like it, I, I, I know the source. I can get back and get you more. You know. I got, I got the I got the hookup. You got the, the, the jelly hookup. I got the jalapeno jelly hookup. All right. Again, thanks everyone. If you want to hear us talk about my my love of uh, Clay Thompson and what he represents in, in sports in general and other things we discussed, the exclusive podcast patreon.com slash the podcast. That's right. And a hundredth, the one hundredth, one hundredth retro TV commercial stream Wednesday. Twitch.tv slash country code. I will see you later, everyone. So Bye.